This is the Kaiju Transmissions Podcast. As always, I am host number one, Kyle Bird. With me is... Matt Parmley. Yes. And, of course, uh, returning frequent guest, we have Trev. Yeah, I know after my uh, my thoughts on Godzilla King of the Monsters, every listener asked me to come back. So. Yeah, that's why you're here. You're, <laughs> you're in demand. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, we are here, uh, well, I guess the movie we're gonna review is The Asylum's Monster Island, and of course, an asylum- go throw movie, um, go throw, throw movie in quotation marks there. <laughs> yeah, and of course we can't talk about an asylum project without, without Trev here. Um, especially because, uh, Matt famously, I think now, is- <laughs> his uh deci- is is not an asylum fan you know he just doesn't get it doesn't get it that's it's true <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's 100% true um well anyway moving right along uh whenever we do an asylum movie the review itself is typically kind of short so i figure this gives us an opportunity to to be a little bit more loose um and uh and kind of cover a couple other topics um i guess we can talk about some news um there was a brief panic that godzilla versus kong was going to be delayed and then there was more panic because there was conjecture that oh this means because of the box office intake of king of the monsters they probably want to go in and change the whole movie and reshoot everything and blah 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 and then it just turned out a few days later that the release date isn't changing um (laughs) so as per usual the fandom had a meltdown uh because they just assumed something and uh with really no information to go off of and everything was was fine I, I I mean I hope the movie is fine. <laughs> um speaking of box office, uh, <laughs> uh I'm sure you've both noticed that we now uh in the middle of the summer we have been through many sequels and uh they are all bombing um and so godzilla is starting to show up in many lists of articles regarding sequel fatigue blockbuster fatigue etc etc uh men in black and shaft are the most recent bombs um before that uh dark phoenix 
Um, so, I mean, in terms of Godzilla, uh, um, we are a budget of 170 worldwide box office at the moment is 340. So it's like just barely made over its production budget, but they went insane, stupidly, might I add, on the marketing for this, and that was like a hundred million itself. So uh, we're looking at very little profit here. Um, do you guys have any theories as to why that's the case with this movie, or really any any this summer in general? Well, I, I will say that I'm I'm actually getting kind of sick of the term franchise fatigue. I think that's being completely overstated and overblown. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're more seeing, you know, we, we in the thread we're all in, we've been kind of sharing these kind of constant articles about how Dark Phoenix was this like really troubled film behind the scenes, and so is Men in Black. And I think here, Star Shaft is like never really was a franchise. <laughs> I don't think you know it's not like people are just oh man i can't wait for the new shaft movie i hope they call it shaft again you know um I, look it's weird to say there's a, such thing as franchise fatigue when the 21st movie in the mcu came out and made like all the money in the world and i'm pretty sure next week toy story 4 is gonna make a lot of money as well i think what we're really seeing is bad movies coming out and you know whether you i mean if, look whether you think these movies are bad or not but i mean mostly movies that are being primarily received as being bad the studios are kind of like underestimating the audience and thinking they can just pump out any kind of product you can see that with like their attitude towards men in black and i think also there's a lot of other factors you know streaming and things like that but a big part of it is movies are so expensive for the average person to go to now that they really have to decide, you know, the normal person doesn't go see a movie every week. They, it's an event for them to go to the movies and they're choosing really carefully what they're going to see. And they're not just going to go see every blockbuster film that's pumped out their way. They're going to see the new MCU because that's become like something you have to see. They'll probably do toy story. Cause it's a family thing you can take your kids to, but they're not just going to jump out and see every Godzilla men in black uh, or shaft movie that's made you know so i think that's like a bigger part of the issue than just people being like i'm just sick of all sequels there are still gonna be sequels that make a lot of money i i bet you uh what's uh, fast and furious hobbs and shaw is gonna do well too you know mm-hmm. yeah. and that's gonna make a gazillion dollars no doubt yeah i yeah i i think that i agree i think that it's kind of misplaced uh i see how someone could feel sequel or you know, franchise fatigue, but yeah, I think it's a combination of just, like you said, the commitment and money it takes to go see a movie, and... Well, it's not just franchises, right? Like, just earlier this year, um, there was that uh, romantic comedy, The Long Shot, with Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron, and that was, like, really well-reviewed, and that made no money. Yeah, Rocket um, Man, Booksmart. like, yeah, isn't Booksmart doing well. came out a couple... Uh, couple uh you know weeks ago and did really horribly and everyone was saying that's like one of the best comedies to come along in a long time yeah rocket man not not blowing up you know doing okay but not blowing up the way they thought it would after a bohemian rhapsody so yeah it's uh, you can't just say it's franchise fatigue. yeah it's it's just it's a combination of like movies are expensive and it's a commitment to go and uh that and uh like you said i mean whether we on this call like or dislike a movie it it needs to have good word of mouth to Mm -hmm. to have legs like godzilla with the time it came out i mean it came out sandwiched between 
another X-Men, and Secret Life of Pets 2, and Aladdin. And, I mean, this it's, it's been a pretty packed couple months, first of all. And then, yeah, I, that's why I said, like, don't get mad at the critics. I mean, I, I, I like the movie. I saw it a third time with my niece, who's 10. She loved it. Um, but, I mean... It, it it has its problems. It does not have a very good screenplay. And, you know, critics are just there to say, like, hey, is this something that you should, you know, pay a babysitter to watch the kid, go somewhere uh, that you might have to pay for parking, and then pay more money for, for concessions and sacrifice several hours of your life? I mean, uh, and, then, and then, yeah, the fact that it didn't have very strong legs. I mean, if if it was something that I think uh, critics took more to, or even audiences, I know some casual moviegoers that saw it and, like, got mad at me. They're like, why did you tell me I should see this? It happened to, <laughs> <laughs> it happened to you, too? Yes. I, I showed you guys some text messages that I got that was like, I have a bone to pick with you. I've seen this year. Yeah, so... I'm like, yeah, I get it. It's probably not for everybody. I want to bring up one other thing. Is like, look at Venom, which came out and had roughly equal Rotten Tomatoes ratings to Godzilla. It made 800-some million dollars. Yeah. But Venom also operated on it being, you know, a spider, a popular Spider-Man character. I'm sure there was a lot of average Joe confusion over, oh, this the new... Is this the new Spider-Man movie? You know, yeah, and and I think everybody already too like that nostalgia of Maximum Carnage. Did you guys play the Maximum Carnage game? Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. the game's great. Uh, Better than the comic book. Oh yeah, hundred (laughs) percent. But I mean, like the the critics, they give their opinion. Trev, I really liked what you said on the Godzilla episode. I think it was you. Like, find a handful of critics that share your sensibilities and just kind of use that as a really good benchmark if you're going to use the critics to decide if you should go see the movie. But largely, like. Like, my family liked the movie, but part of me felt like they told me that because they didn't want to hurt my feelings or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, but yeah, Legs... In, in the, I mean, honestly, Godzilla might have had some decent word of mouth legs. Like if if it came out at a different time of year, where where you where you know, oh, did you see the new Godzilla? How was it? And it's like, well, it was okay. You know, there's nothing else to see right now. So if you go see something, give it a shot. We're, that is not right now. <laughs> at all. And I, I think that's part of the reason why Skull Island was able to do better numbers than both Godzilla's. I mean, A, Kong, I mean, like it or not, G-fans, Kong is a bigger mainstream draw, bigger audience draw, the character. Not but just here, but in Japan, that's why... I, I mean, all, all over the world, King Kong yeah, is... Yeah, I mean, King Kong vs. Godzilla has sold the most Godzilla movie tickets in Japan still to this day. Well, I think adjusted for inflation worldwide, it's still the most successful... Godzilla movie, but um, but I mean, in addition to that, it came out in early March, and there was nothing really to compete with. I think Logan came out at the very end of March, so it was able to bridge the gap between like whatever came before it and Logan, and uh, I think part of the reason it was able to hang in there is because it it was the movie, you know. Oh, it, there's nothing else to see right now. I might as well check out the new King Kong. I mean, right. And I think there's also something to be said for, you know, I know the era of the movie star is done, but there's still something to be said for being able to have Samuel L. Jackson and Loki in your trailer as opposed to John Goodman, the the coach from Friday Night Lights. You know, like, (laughs) and I like Kyle Chandler, but he's not a draw. 
Yeah. Vera Farmiga is not a big star. Um, you know, people know The Conjuring, but they don't really necessarily yeah. see it because Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson are in it. You know, so yeah, I think uh, look, the answer is staring the Godzilla people right in the face. If they want to make a successful Godzilla movie, just do Godzilla versus Keanu Reeves because <laughs> that's another movie that disproves franchise fatigue this year. Uh, John Wick three, a gigantic hit, and uh, everyone's in love with him. So that's that's your next direction right yeah. there. Yeah, this year, like looking at it, I don't even know when the smart time to release this thing would be because Captain Marvel had early March. That was you know where Skull Island was, but it didn't have a ca- Captain Marvel to compete with. And then Endgame had uh, the end of April. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, it just wasn't the right time, and to some, it might not have been the right movie. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's... it's And also, I mean, we covered a lot of this on, the, on our Godzilla episode. It's just, you know, it's a very niche genre, and... You know, there is as interesting it is to see Godzilla done with a kajillion dollars. Um, you know, it's it's still not something that you know you're the people are going to want to see um, Pokemon or Aladdin. That stuff's all playing right now. And, yeah, and I think that people probably some fans probably got like slightly misled by the. For the 2014 film doing well and that's the thing this isn't necessarily the same thing as franchise fatigue but you can kind of only pull in like the normies once when a franchise has been gone for a long time and you kind of do like a big reboot like that then you you get up the general interest of being like oh like a new godzilla movie that's that thing okay this oh this i've heard the story and this one is supposed to be better than that matthew broderick one okay but then all that probably really does is that movie just reminds people oh that's really not my thing you know yeah so, I, I, I think the 2014 general, one yeah, I think I think it was a curiosity for a lot yeah. of people, and you know, uh, yeah, I, I think. And don't forget that a lot of people probably also didn't get the movie. They felt like the trailers were promising them. Yeah, that, that too. Case, so, and yeah, they they probably walked away like, okay, that was whatever. And you know, it's weird thinking now. Five years later seems like a long time, but like when we were kids, five years is like, like two days in sequel time like we used to wait forever for a sequel i just uh, i have friends who i was in a different thread i'm in they were like laughing about how like uh, i can't believe wonder woman 2 doesn't come out till next year man really they really don't know how to capitalize on the heat and i'm like we like it's only gonna it's gonna come out exactly <laughs> three years after the first one came out <laughs> right. be like less than standard we're we're so we're so used to this every two years thing now and yeah. it's that's not good because movies can be better if you take more time with them. And uh, the two year thing is why a lot of these end up being so shitty. Yeah. With Godzilla, I mean, it's, it's never going to be a Marvel. The, 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 the Godzilla is a tried and true property that is profitable. It's place in pop culture is like etched in stone, but to drag in more than the diehard fans, like, you need to just do one and then let it sit and then do another like 10 years later when, you know, it's a generational thing. That's what Toho been doing forever now. It's like, okay, let it cool down for about 10 years. And then when the nostalgia's hot, do another one. And I, think you really uh, do. I, I really do think you need to bring in, like, I don't know if you guys agree, but also for these American ones, I really do think you have to bring in someone that's more like a star. I think like if you had like, 
if you threw in a Statham or like The Rock or somebody that like general audiences kind of have an interest in, hundred percent, I think, I think yeah. that would help. Yeah, they're 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 thinking they can sell it on Godzilla, but that only works with Godzilla fans, and I think you have to do something more for the regular audience. Yeah. Well, Godzilla I don't, fans. I don't mean regular. Know. Sorry, no offense. But. <laughs> <laughs> I mean Godzilla fans think that somehow this movie was going to beat Avengers or something. Well, I think so. that like that, <laughs> that's the Godzilla fans that like. They all they watch is Godzilla movies. Like movies outside of Godzilla might as well not exist. So like their scope of reality and like what people want is like so is tiny. But yeah, I, I think it's just uh, yeah. Like I mean, the Meg. I don't think anyone thought was going to make as much as it did. You know, made more than Godzilla. And that, and that didn't make money because it was about a giant shark. It made money because it was Jason Statham versus a giant shark. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, Rampage made made right now has more made more money than Godzilla by about ninety million dollars. Yeah, that's another thing though. Is like we've had Pacific Rim two, Rampage. We had another Jurassic Park. Like all last year. Like these aren't superhero movies that like everyone goes to see. Like it's a niche genre. I mean, after all that that happened like between twenty fourteen and now, people are probably looking at another Godzilla and they're like, oh, another one of these. You know. <laughs> But but Godzilla's always going to be... I mean, it's like Star Wars, where he makes as much in merchandise as he does box office. So the people freaking out, like, oh my god, what if, you know, after Godzilla vs. Kong, there's no more Godzilla movies? It's like, guys, that's not going to happen. They're going to be making these things until long after we're dead. Yeah, people don't really... I mean, the, the merch is there. Like, they just made a, a Shin King Ghidorah figure. Just, just because, because it's going to sell like hotcakes. I mean, that that's that's the reality, and uh, it's kind of like Ultraman. They keep pumping out Ultraman because it's like one of the top ten selling toys in Japan. So Toho knows where their cash cow is, and they'll allow Godzilla movies to be made as long as they think it's going to make them money. And in this case, I think the merchandise and the Blu-ray sales and stuff they'll they'll make enough money to where they'll be happy with it, but it probably wasn't worth. That you know, hundred seventy million dollar risk they took. Yeah, and people also keep freaking out. They're like, "Oh, well, if if Godzilla versus Kong bombs, you know, there goes our chance at more MonsterVerse." But I, I mean, Toho it's been never going to be more. <laughs> yeah, Toho been pretty outspoken about how they just want to do their own version of a Godzilla universe in Japan. And then people also seem to, and then people are like, "Well, what if they do it without the Toho monsters?" Well, a, who wants to see that? And b, they forget that Kong is on loan from Universal, and that's running out too. I mean. Just let it, let it, let it die as it lived, guys. Although I will say, when because you just said, "Who wants to see it without the Toho monsters?" I, do you guys? Isn't there a part of you guys that wishes? And I mean, the, I don't think the Mutos are the answer to this, but shouldn't they be trying to create something as iconic as the Toho monsters? Like, wouldn't that be the ultimate? Oh yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I would. Just... I, I would be all about a Behemoth movie. I love that guy. That's the big woolly mammoth guy. Yeah. But but yeah, no, I I mean. Yeah, I, 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 I would love just more original kaiju properties, and every now and then we get that cool, quirky little thing that is really awesome, like a colossal or a clover field. And I mean, those are kind of you know, or even a even a Pacific Rim, even though it's not like an indie, but you know, I mean, more stuff or like monster, that. Monster Island, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
Godzilla versus the Living Mountain. That's a that's a that's a really good segue, actually. Well, I'm sure the rights to that are probably like two bucks. So, um, well, actually, Matt, do you want to? You mentioned the uh, there is a new there's a I guess some people are calling it the Shin King Ghidorah, um, but there's a, I guess Universal Studios Japan just launched a 4D. Godzilla versus Evangelion ride, which still the Evangelion is like this pop culture phenomenon. It's still strange to me because anyone that's seen the show and watched like the movie will know like it's surreal and apocalyptic and Imagine weird. Imagine making an anime about how much you hate yourself and then that doing gangbusters and making billions of dollars because that's what happened with evangelion every once in a while in like pop culture right something that doesn't seem like it should be a pop culture phenomenon blows up remember like uh like you know twin peaks when it first premiered everyone's like super like every once in a while that happens yeah but it's just weird like i mean like the like it's not a pleasant (laughs) franchise and like the opening of the movie is a is the main character jerking (laughs) off over a unconscious (laughs) girl <laughs> yeah and then he talks he remarks about how fucked up he is like, and and and, he <laughs> and now he's paired up with godzilla at universal studios rides it's really strange it's like if if there was like an eraser head meets spider-man like <laughs> thing which would be awesome by the way but uh yeah there's some footage of it online um and uh, yeah what they did is it's it's well first of all do either of you understand the concept of a 4d ride yeah. So um, what is, is it like for, the 3D ones we used to, like the Back to the Future one or like the ones we used to go on as kids? Well, I, you know, sir, some theaters in America have 4D screenings and it it really is just that matter of um it pump and it, I remember they had that Terminator 4D thing at Universal Studios for a while. It's it's a combination of, you know, you're getting the kind of standard 3D element but then the 4D comes into your other senses, so it's like pumping um, mist into the room, and and there's going to be okay. like laser lights, and then probably like blowing water on you and stuff like that. Okay, okay. Um, there's some footage of it online. Basically, Godzilla, of course, it's the Shin version, which I guess Hideki Anno, Evangelion, sure, and also Shin made a boatload of money in Japan, and he attacks the city, and then the Ava units are called in, and then you get like saved by one of them, and then you're looking through the perspective of one of the the mechs, and you fight uh, Shin Godzilla, and like there's stuff flying at you, and um, and then the end of the little teaser clip that's online has, like, a, a King Ghidorah that comes in. And it's a new Ghidorah design, which is what Matt was talking about. There's this, I guess some fans are calling it the Universal Studios Ghidorah. Some are calling it Shin Ghidorah. But, yeah, it's a new Ghidorah that basically looks like Ghidorah if he was, like, a snake with, like, arms. It's not a bad design, but... Yeah, the fa- fans are already like, oh, are they going to actually do Shin Godzilla 2 with Ghidorah? It's like, no, they just made a new Ghidorah so you would buy the toy. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I... Yeah, the thing, like, when we go to G-Fest, which comes up in, like, a month, there's going to be a million Shin Ghidorah fi- figures, and people are going to buy them, and they're going to sell like crazy. Because, I mean, like, every time that something comes out that's new... People typically buy the buy the toys, except for Godzilla anime. Well, and it's a universal. I think it's a Universal Studios exclusive. Like you have to get it at the theme park. Yeah, so like in Japan, like 
Japan's toy scene is crazy because like theaters themselves can have exclusive to their theater restaurants, like the uh, Kaiju Sakaba, the bar thing that they do for Ultraman. They have exclusive toys. Like it, there's a bunch of crazy stuff like that in Japan that is very it's it's common. So like they'll have specific toys for specific rides and theme parks. And like there's a new Shin Godzilla toy for this ride as well. That's a slightly different paint scheme. So that's that. All that stuff's pretty pretty uh, pretty wild to me. Um. <clears throat> anyway, uh, before we get into our main review, I think I don't know. I want to take at least five to ten minutes to. Um, I think it's a it's uh, off topic, kind of in theory. Um, but I I really want to take some time to talk a little bit about Chernobyl on HBO, just because. I mean, first of all, it's. I mean, anyone listening, I hope, would know the the real life incident. Um, and, but and it's obviously those themes tie into the original Godzilla. And for me, the idea to even talk about it here was like the whole time I was watching it, I was thinking about, you know, its portrayal of you know radiation and people suffering from radiation sickness and just thinking like you know for a character that's a metaphor for the nuclear bomb godzilla really only tackles this subject in i mean i i would say it's tackled in more than one movie but it really only gets really into the dirt of it in the first movie um, you know, scenes of children, you know, having Geiger counters read over them that are like off the charts. Um, just all this Hiroshima kind of imagery. And I was just thinking like, you know, I guess I get why Godzilla can't do that anymore. And it's only in the first one is because, you know, they found out kids like stuff about big monsters and dinosaurs. And I mean, for more or less, it is a, a kids' movie franchise now. So I was just like, we're never going to get this again. And then I started thinking about Shin Godzilla, which is like, if any Godzilla movie had would have had a pass at doing this, it was that, because it was like, okay, it's a more, I guess, quote-unquote, darker, more serious Godzilla in the aftermath of Fukushima, which was like Chernobyl times two. And I was just thinking, like, they instead of doing that, they kind of, like, used it as, like, a jumping-off point to show how Japan would overcome a situation like that with no cost, and I was just getting more and more bothered that we're not probably ever going to see a Godzilla movie that can tackle the subject, you know, as detailed or with as much weight as the original, and then, you know, we've all been talking about it. I mean, everyone's been talking about it. It's a great series, but... Um, I, 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 I want to, I'll throw it to you guys because I've been babbling about why Chernobyl is something Godzilla fans should look at, but, um, would you guys agree with me in saying that if it was a movie, it would probably top out at maybe like being the best movie of the year? Yeah. I mean, for me, Chernobyl is like so far it's. So last year I said that if The Haunting of Hill House had been a movie, it would have been my favorite movie of the year. But since it was a show, it wasn't, you know, and that, that's how I feel about Chernobyl right now. I don't think any, I've definitely liked some movies this year. I don't know if I enjoyed any of them. Enjoyed's a weird, we're a weird word here, but I don't know if I was um, taken by any of them as much as I was by Chernobyl, which I just thought was like stellar filmmaking on every level. Um, I, I When you said every Godzilla fan should watch it, I kind of feel like, 
what you somewhat mean probably is every Gojira fan should watch it. Sure, if you're, yeah. If you're just a fan of like you know Godzilla as like the silly you know kid stuff, then and you're like, well, Bert said if I like that, I'll like this. You might have been for a rude awakening, but uh, <laughs> but if you like the horror of that first film. Then, then yeah, I think like this is an uh, you know something that's in that wheelhouse. And I, I brought up Chernobyl in the uh, episode we did about King of the Monsters, where I said that you know King of the Monsters just had a disadvantage of coming out at a time when that show was kind of in the public zeitgeist, and people were really seeing this very sobering reminder of you know what uh, nuclear energy and you know radiation fallout is really like, and that made uh, that made the treatment of that, those elements in King of the Monsters seem even more trite and silly. And not that that movie has any obligation to be as realistic as Chernobyl. That's an, another debate that we already had a little bit, and I'll probably you know still like to have, but we don't need to have it now. But but Chernobyl it was like, oh yeah, this is this is the real thing right here, and I couldn't help but think about that uh, during some of the sequences in King of the Monsters. Yeah, I mean, I, I watching that and realizing the the horrors of something like not just. Just, just atomic energy, nuclear energy, and how it works and how it functions, and the propensity that if something were to happen that was bad, like it could literally end life for for you know hundreds of miles. And thinking about how it was handled in like Godzilla specifically, the, the latest film, it just it does it makes it very trite and I don't know in in many ways disappointing because there's still it like Godzilla is still relevant. He could be still made into a very relevant uh, anti-nuclear disaster movie if somebody wanted to make that film, which kind of makes me sad that we didn't get that um, in some respects. I mean, I get that King of the Monsters wasn't trying to do that, but like there's still the reality is like you still can't go to parts of Chernobyl. And the U.S., like we have, what, hundreds of nuclear reactors and Japan, by the way, just had like an earthquake. What last night? And the risk of the world experiencing a disaster like this is still extremely high. And, like, we're still on the brink of, you know, somebody pressing the red button and and blowing up another country. Like, all those things could still happen. And so this series, the way it's handled, the way it's laid out, and actually I would recommend the podcast, the Chernobyl podcast, because they talk about the things that were left out of of the show. Mm -hmm. And they also talk about where they took liberties, which is pretty cool, because you see, like, why they did certain things with certain characters that weren't history accurate to history and then they explain why they made those choices which i found really fascinating yeah the podcast is great the accountability the accountability was great and i think the podcast is almost like required listening for anyone who's gonna really uh get the the most out of the show yeah it's only five episodes and yeah then the and then the podcasts are short they're usually an hour or less um i mean i i couldn't recommend both enough and when I bring up Godzilla or, you know, I mean, you guys are, bring, uh, King of the Monsters is the newest one. It's the one that is in more theaters. Um, but for me, I, I, I hate to be the armchair quarterback guy and, you know, try and, and say I don't like a movie because of what it's not instead of what it is, if that makes sense. But, like, having just watched the entire Godzilla franchise and Shin Godzilla is still a little bit more in my memory... It's like, okay, King of the Monsters, sure, that's the one you take your kids to, but it's, I mean, the first half of that movie is so front-loaded with all this Fukushima parallel and imagery, and then it just nosedives into, you know, politicians in meetings, our heroes, you know, following up scenes of huge, massive, 
uh, destruction and death and people buried under rubble, our heroes are sitting around a table talking about, you know, oh, when I become prime minister and when I'm in the cabinet, and it doesn't say anything about the cost of human life. In Chernobyl, how it puts it so elegantly, the cost of lies, you know? I mean, Shin Godzilla... I mean, well, f- very similarly to... Um, uh, the show Chernobyl, um, something that has in common with Shin Godzilla is it's, it's following the scientists, the politi- politicians, in figuring out what happened and how to minimize the fallout, how to save as many lives as possible. And it's like one goes in one lane and one goes in the other lane. And Chernobyl just has something to say about the cost of life, um, the cost of the government lying, which, again, we see in Shin Godzilla, but without any real um, payoff. Um, And it it just kind of bums me out, but uh, I don't know. I mean, Godzilla can't... I mean, Chernobyl, first of all, though, is not for the faint of heart. I mean, it's very graphic in its portrayal of people suffering from radiation sickness, a Godzilla movie is never going to be that graphic, but hopefully, I don't know, maybe someone somewhere can kind of make a, you know, a, maybe a new kaiju or monster movie that can examine this stuff. You know, well, that's the thing. Like even the like same tonally, way. tonally uh, watching Chernobyl, I did feel like I felt like that was the tone I thought I was going to get from the 2014 film because of those teasers. You know? Oh yeah. And, for sure. and like you and like you said, I understand. Like in retrospect, it, it's kind of silly to think we ever thought that was going to happen. Because I right. understand why why they you know they're not going to treat their franchise this way. At the same time, I kind of wonder if they should have gone that route. And I, I'm not convinced it would have been the wrong move because we actually are also in a moment right now where horror is doing really well at the box office um, with films like It and and you know like the the Conjuring universe films like doing really well. And I, I don't know that it would be like that crazy to be like hey maybe yeah. we should take like a more horror approach to Godzilla yeah I mean you could you could scale it back and it, not you could do yeah. a PG-13 like it did, wouldn't have to be as insane as Chernobyl yeah but obviously the other thing's not really catching on with the general audience so why not try something new you know? yeah I think there's definitely a need or even there, there is an area of opportunity for that film to be made and for Godzilla to be a, a, a true vehicle for for all the stuff going on in the world and it could be done so easily and you wouldn't have to be as graphic as Chernobyl, but like you could do it. And I think, I think we saw with the, the 2014 film, like how well it did that opening weekend, because that's what people thought they were getting. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that it, it could make money yeah. and it could be successful. Yeah. I, I mean, there's definitely room still, I think, you know, maybe when they do reboot it again, maybe they'll take it back to more of its horror roots um, you know, it's interesting, like, uh, Gareth Edwards, I think, kind of intended it for it to be a little more of that, but Thomas Tull came in, and he was all about Godzilla as the hero, and that kind of led us to where we are now. Well, that's, um, what, that's what I was going to say. I think, like, the only kaiju film of recent memory to me, and you guys might obviously, obviously will know more than I will about this, but is uh, Monsters, right? That had that kind of, like, that serious, little bit more dramatic tone. Yeah. And everything else has been kind of playing into the silly uh yeah. you know kid. Or, well i was gonna say cloverfield but that's 11 years old <laughs> which, yeah. which is insane and even that's that's like more of like a thrill ride right yeah but i mean like kind of introspective horror too yeah um but yeah no i chernobyl i love it if you're interested in the themes that honda and and crew were tackling in the original godzilla i would say it's a must watch watch them together i mean like they could go together 
Um, I will say, though, like... Okay, the original Godzilla is probably, like, my favorite movie, uh, but it's, like, it's a bummer of a movie. Like, it's... And, like, I I love it, but it's a bummer, you know? You leave not feeling great, you know? Like, Night of the Living Dead is one of my favorite movies, but, uh, but you don't leave it feeling very good. But now it's, like, I wonder how much harder of a watch it'll be, because, like, I'm just thinking about, like, scenes of, like, children, like, kids, like, three to six years old, like, with, like, the Geiger counters being waved over them after Godzilla's attack, and they're, like, off the charts. It's, like, watching Chernobyl, it's, like... I know what that kid's going to look like in, like, a month, and it's, like, a gooey, horrifying, like, mess. This, the, like, <laughs> these kids are going to decompose. Uh, so, yeah, that's probably going to make it a little more depressing than it already is, but, uh, I mean, that that's what radiation does. Um, but yes, Chernobyl on HBO. Um, if you are thinking about canceling your HBO subscription after Game of Thrones, hang on to it <laughs> for a little like longer. For the country. <laughs> yeah, hang on to it for a little longer. I know uh, after that finale, it's very tempting to press the cancel button, but hang in, hang in there. Watch Chernobyl. Uh, I, I was blown away by it. Um. I mean, I give five. I, I give Chernobyl a five out of five uh, misplaced pieces of graphite. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, that's a that's an accurate rating. Also, the memes have been glorious. Just, oh uh, just yeah, so Chernobyl memes are great. If you if you're having trouble dealing with the content of the show, get online, look at the memes. It'll 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 make you feel better. Yeah. Um, I but I would love a sequel series about Fukushima. Or a prequel series about that John Wayne movie where everyone that worked on it died of radiation uh, <laughs> sickness. <laughs> was that the Genghis Khan one, Trev? Yeah. Everything about that was a mistake. <laughs> um, John Wayne playing Genghis Khan led to the deaths of... Uh, I don't know how many. A lot of people. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, moving right along... Uh, we're doing really good on time. Um, <laughs> we are back with another Asylum Mockbuster. Uh, now, Trev and I uh, are frequent defenders of the Asylum. Um, you know, tiny, uh, poor B-movie B studios, um, they gotta do what they, they can only do what they can. And sometimes they turn out something enjoyable. Um, which Matt will probably beg to differ, but uh, yeah, with God, I, I, I think it's safe to say the asylum is fulfilling uh, a demand that obviously exists. You know, they haven't been around for this long without. You know, obviously they they're capitalizing on something that people want. You can say like I, I think gone are the days where they're just fooling people, right? And I know that they 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 very much admit that that was a big part of their their early uh, modus operandi was to come up with films that people would go to the video store and rent it thinking they were getting the, the other film. <laughs> and I, I'm sure some of that still happens, but I think like in a, in an era where there's a lot of irony based movie and enjoyment and a lot of like, Ooh, we like kind of dumb movies and you know, the sci-fi channel capitalizing on that for the past, you know what? 15 or so years, the asylum has found just the, the right niche for themselves. Yeah. I, it's um 
I mean, I think Sharknado really like. Well, yeah, that's their biggest busted thing. that open, and I mean, they still do the mockbusters, but yeah, I don't, I don't think their their bread and butter isn't like tricking your like sixty year old aunt into buying something that is in theaters anymore. Like, um, but it's weird they still do the mockbusters. Like, Monster Island is clearly there because Godzilla was coming out. Um, yeah, yeah, any any big movie they still have their version ready to go. Yeah. Um, which I think I think we said this. I don't know if it was the Mega Shark one or the Atlantic Rim one, but it seems now they're more into the like. Oh well, you want to go see Godzilla this weekend? Like, uh, well, if you go and you like it, here's our version airing on TV the next day. If you want more of this genre or whatever, um, so uh, I don't know how many Asylum movies Trev and I have watched at this point. I mean, if a if, lot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be curious to see how this one stacks up against the other ones that you would like. Depending on where you rate rate this, I want to see how it stacks up in your mind okay. compared to the other ones you've seen. Well, that's a good question. That's that, yeah. That that's like a good closing question, I think, because like our favorites are like impossibly amazing pieces of like bad movie filmmaking like air yeah, collision I mean, I, is still air collision is the masterpiece and that's not a mockbuster that's just you know they they had this they had this run for a while too or well, i guess they probably they still do this but they were making like a lot of disaster films and uh quite a few of those are pretty fun but air collision bird and i have long maintained i'm sure we said this in the previous time we talked about the asylum but we've long maintained that anybody who like you know loves birdemic or the room um you know pieces the you know, least kind of troll two, these kind of famous bad movies you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not also checking out air collision yeah no it 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 seriously belongs up there in like the pantheon of like bad movie greats it, it's criminally mm-hmm. underseen i mean only a, no other reason than all the extras on the plane just pay attention <laughs> to the movie. yeah if you watch it i mean for real liz adams who wrote and directed it by the way i only a maniac could have done that like normal people don't write movies that way um so now we get into monster island um starring eric roberts i guess starring question mark eric roberts (laughs) um uh and i guess i'll do my best to give (laughs) a plot breakdown um this is going to be... Okay. <sighs> okay, so... Um, we follow a kind of Elon Musk-type uh, tycoon who is doing something, like mining underwater. I don't exactly remember why, but it's probably... It's, it's honestly probably not important. Um, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and... Um, a creature called the Tengu, which is a gigantic starfish uh, monster that bleeds lava. Um, also, when the monster bleeds, its lava blood also automatically repairs it. Because uh, science. Um, anyway, it wakes up and they uh, <laughs> they call Eric... Uh, I don't remember if they call Eric Roberts. I think they do. Um, anyway, Eric Roberts, for no real reason, is really combative, combative of, with them, um, and, 
he's upset because they don't want to leave. They think they can stop the monster themselves for some reason. Well, you should, Eric. You didn't even say who Eric Roberts is playing. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, uh, he's like a a captain of like a naval fleet yeah, or something. Navy captain. Yeah, um, and I'm pretty sure he's drunk the whole time. Yeah, he's um, a general horn. That's. <laughs> in case you cared about his name it doesn't <laughs> i'm glad you remembered that because i don't know anyone else's <laughs> name uh so um i don't know he's really upset now that they think they can stop the monster and uh one of uh the 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 guy in the submarine um the elon musk fake elon musk guy uh one of the uh people working with him is like um I don't know, an expert in myths or something. Geomythology. Yeah, yeah. And um, she's like... It's actually a pretty interesting real-life idea that it was kind of cool they they brought that into the film. Yeah. That I'll give him some credit. We'll talk about that a little later. She's basically the same as the Zhang Zi character in King of the Monsters. She knows, like, the mythology of creatures. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe, that if I remember correctly, she's sent by the... What is it? The... Uh, I, I want to say EPA. That's probably not right. Is that... Or no, is that... She was she was sent to, like, monitor their, you know, going down there to mine. But it turns out she's also, like, an expert in geomythology, which, for those who don't know, that's, like, the, the study. And it is a real thing. It's the study of looking at mythology and kind of trying to figure out if any of mythology was based on actual geological events and kind of trying to merge those two ideas together. Yeah. So she's like, Oh, I know I like, I've heard of this thing. And then, um, at this point in the movie, uh, I, I really don't understand why they feel like they need to do something to stop this monster. The guy just keeps telling Eric Roberts, it's a kaiju. And the movie doesn't really explain what that means to anybody. I, <laughs> um, like, it's the only movie other than Pacific Rim that's, like, used kaiju as, like, an in-film universe verb, but it doesn't... Unlike Pacific Rim, it doesn't bother to tell you what it means. Um, anyway, our our plucky group of people in the submersible um, uh, decide they can figure out how to defeat it, so the one... Uh, uh, the girl with the... That's a... What, what, what is the word? A geomythologist? Yeah. Okay. So she's like, yeah, one of my old teachers like uh, thought this stuff was real, and uh, we everyone laughed at her and thought she was dumb. So then she tracks her down, and then she sh- tells her about the legend of the Tengu, and it's, I guess, mortal enemy, the living mountain, or the kaiju killer. Um, this teacher character also annoyingly pronounces kaiju as kaiju. Um, which is hilarious. That's the, that's the one. That's the one funny thing I kept laughing at. Which is something Matt would do, first of all. Yeah. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, I can't say anything. Anything, right? Well, the Elon, the Elon Musk guy keeps calling tsunamis tsunamis. He keeps saying, <laughs> if they're under a tsunami warning. And I was like, oh, God. Um. So then they realize they okay they need to uh, figure out a way to wake up the living mountain, and it has to fight the Tengu, the starfish creature. Um. Uh, I forget what they do. What did they do to, I guess, quote unquote, kill the the starfish? They like launch a bomb or something like in it. Its, like, goes up its into its like mouth, butt, and, or <laughs> yeah, 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 one of the one of those orifices. It's fine. <laughs> 
So so they do that, and the creature like turns upside down. They think it's dead, and it starts shooting these eggs uh, out of its body automatically. Like it just shits out tons of eggs, which hatch into these like weird pterodactyl-looking things that breathe fire. Um, and then, uh, so those things are on a rampage. It kills a guy that looks a lot like Jesus from The Walking Dead, who, I don't know what the actor was doing. We'll talk about that in a moment, I'm sure. Um, and then it starts flying, and then they wake up the living mountain, and, uh, for some reason, like, and then, okay, and then the starfish creature, like, tackles it and they think it's dead and then they need to uh stab one of the babies and shoot an arrow with its lava blood at the living mountain to wake it back up because that's what the legend says even though it makes no sense and then um the two creatures just like explode and there's a giant egg which and then it it ends and i i have a lot of questions about that ending because i don't know if i understand it so well, we should say that uh, the Living Mountain and, and the Tengu do fight in the daytime because unlike the <laughs> millions of dollars production of Godzilla King of the Monsters, the Asylum is proud of their special effects. <laughs> proud and confident of their CGI. <laughs> right. Maybe maybe a little too confident. Um, uh, okay, so... I don't know. Do, do we want to get the negative... Uh, the, there's three of us here... One is overtly negative. Do we want to just let him say his spiel? <laughs> yeah, let's let Matt. Yeah, just just I mean, just get it over with. Guys, look, <laughs> I fully admit some of the assignment stuff just doesn't doesn't click with me. I find it annoyingly and j- just just annoyingly bad for the most part. And I and I get there's there's probably this weird appeal that like there like the lady saying kaiju wrong. Like that was funny. I, I laughed at it. It was dumb, but it made me laugh a little bit. I get that there's those bits of humor in it that are just so nonsensical that like either you're gonna laugh or you're gonna think it's the stupidest thing ever. But like from start to finish of this movie, I was just kind of bored. And the Living Mountain might be to, to quote Trev from our uh, Facebook chat, like one of the worst designs he's ever seen for a monster. Like <laughs> I, I kind of am in that camp as well. It's just kind of a boring design. Nothing really clicked for me. I thought it was it was just dumb, guys. I don't know. I, I wanted to laugh at it. I wanted to enjoy it and just revel in its stupidity. I did none of that. I was praying for it to be over, and like every minute felt like twelve minutes, and so I was miserable the whole time. Hmm. Yeah. Well, let me. Hmm. That's interesting to me, though, because like obviously we all watch a lot of B movies, but like. The the stuff the Asylum does, the Sci-Fi Channel, the like more modern Roger Corman stuff, like it is like a very specific like kind of B movie. Trev, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like I mean, uh, I would you say it's an acquired taste? Yes, but okay. So Bird and I, I, I really after I watched the movie, I didn't really come in with my thoughts. I was just kind of pointing out some things while I was watching it. Um, but so I guess I'll go and I'll, I'll say that. I'm not as negative as Matt, but I don't know if this is going to surprise Bird, but I'm probably leaning more towards Matt's view on this one. Uh, I do love the Asylum. I think a lot of the, I think that a lot of the Asylum movies are very fun. I think the Atlantic Rim movies uh, were, uh, were really they're like a blast uh, to watch with, a, especially with friends. And I do think this one kind of suffers from it's it's a it's an old ghost go to habit of the Asylum to have a lot of scenes of people just in the room a control room or if they're in a submarine like in a little you know (laughs) cockpit 
And this movie leans way oh, too yeah. heavily on that. And it's it really is a lot of just watching three characters cramped into a little control room or cockpit. And yeah, I, I agree. This one, I wouldn't say it was a struggle to get through, um, but it was pretty boring. I wasn't mm-hmm. super into this one. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I there's some things I thought were funny and some things that were fully through. But I, I think it was really, I think all of us watched this by ourselves, too. And I was wondering... You know, the best Asylum movies really are, when we talk about what their niche is, I think the Asylum knows they're making movies that are meant to be watched with a group of people, maybe some beers, you know, a good time Definitely with alcohol. It, there has to, if you're yeah. going to enjoy this... <laughs> well, that's the thing, is I, I think, like, a lot of the Asylum movies I love, like the, you know, the Sharknado films, uh, or, you know, uh, the later Mega Shark films, like, did these crazy Mega Shark versus Colossus and things like that, those are really fun to watch with a group of people. And I was watching this one by myself, granted, which wasn't the best environment, but I was even thinking, like, even if I was sitting with a group of friends right now, I don't know this is giving us a lot to like make fun of. Mm-hmm. It really is just a lot of talking. Yeah, I'm kind of, um, I don't know, I'm kind of falling in the middle here. Um, it's definitely not, well, I guess I can a- kind of answer Matt's question from earlier right now. I would not put this up there. Like, my favorites are, okay, Air Collision is like unbeatable, okay? But then there's also like um, the Atlantic Rim movies and... Um, uh, Trev, what are some other like go-to asylum movies? Uh, the Sinister Squad was yeah, one. Sinister Squad, yeah. Um, Avengers Graham, we liked that one. Yeah, but then I am also thinking of the ones that we've watched that are like that actually are like atrociously bad. Like when the first Thor movie came out, they did a Thor one that was like unwatchable. Um, I, Trev, was it? There was one that we like wanted to kill ourselves. Was it the? Um, had to be this one. I'm just no. Was, uh, was it? Um, was it the? Ba- it was the battleship. Yeah, American one. Warship. Yeah, yeah. Which was their Which like, poster. and so like when I'm thinking of the of those like this movie like I would take over those like any day of the week. I remember Android Cop being very yeah. Android too. Cop was disappointed. Like I would I would easily put this above those. <laughs> we sound so stupid right now. Android, <laughs> yeah, talking- <laughs> yeah, Android. Dude, I would, I would, really like Android Cop sounds sounds awesome. I, so I have a question for both of you because this is how I felt. I, I feel like if if this were a communal experience, meaning you know you're sitting with a group of people, I could have seen myself finding things to enjoy about the movie because you're talking. You're either making fun of the movie or you're so bored you're talking to people about the movie. So either way, it's you're you're kind of enjoying that experience. I think that would have helped me quite a bit. But I think this movie doesn't as dumb as dumb as this might sound. It doesn't lean into the silliness enough. No, I agree. Yeah, and and that and that's really the problem because. One of the Atlantograms, and I, I don't remember which one, it opens up with, like, these chicks piloting robots that get, like, blown up. And they get like they get blown up and then go flying, like, across the screen in a way that's just so comical that it like you're like, okay, I get what this movie is already. This film doesn't have that kind of element. Like, you get Riley, who's, like, the, the Jesus-looking character from The Walking Dead, who, get, like, his death is pretty funny because he just gets burned alive. But, like, that was the only moment where, like, oh, that guy had to come in the whole movie. I'm glad he's dead. Now where do we go from here? Like that's how I felt most of the movie. I think it's it's too backloaded because like you don't really get any mon like you see the monster, but like you don't really get like the the flying baby monster rampage or the fight with the living mountain or the starfish thing like growing wings and flying. That that's all in like the last like ten minutes, which I guess isn't that surprising for like the asylum <laughs> to do that but we've seen them do monster movies 
that we've seen how they they get around doing that with some of the other monster movies they've made. So so I I mean I think that's probably if we have to like pick one thing it's like yeah everything that's kind of interesting is in the last like 10 minutes. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, like the thing you like, yes, the, the elements you hope are going to be funny are like, because like you said, like Eric Roberts is just completely hammered in this movie. I would assume, uh, or else something is—I don't know what's going on with him. But uh, <laughs> but as odd as it sounds, there might not be enough of him because at least whenever he's on screen, it's like, haha, I can kind of laugh at this because it's like so ridiculous. But he just doesn't show up enough. Um, with the the guy you were talking about who looks like Jesus on The Walking Dead, he gets pretty funny at a certain point because his performance just goes just goes so so what was with shit i don't know nobody explained to me what happened in that halfway through he was normal like it was a normal performance and then like once bad things start to happen it just like goes sideways and well, it's like they asked him you know oh now you got to play really scared and like that's what that guy <laughs> thinks scared is and like i was like oh all right but... um yeah that that was that was weird um yeah, I, I think that it's just, uh, I mean, for me, there, it, you know, it, it has enough amusing things that pop in enough to, I guess, hold my attention. But yeah, I mean, we've seen, we've seen the Asylum do this better. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I mean, like, I think we were all hoping for another Atlantic Rim type of, of movie, which not only do those kind of, um, you know, keep the the action consistent, but they also have a little bit more probably self awareness to them. Um, yeah, the, I, for me, this one, it, as far as asylum movies go, it it falls kind of more in the middle of the pack. I mean, I've seen so I much think worse. To what Matt said about yeah, and what you just like both of you said about not leaning into the silliness because I think the Atlantic Rim films are better at that, and this one really definitely at times seemed like it thought it was like a real kaiju movie. And I'm sorry, you just got to be a little better if you're going to go for that kind of, you know, playing it serious. Because um, once the eggs hatch and, like, the, the pterodactyl things start flying around, the movie does pick up a little bit there. I think there's some sequences there that get pretty fun, um, you know, like, with the, the lava coming after him in the tunnel and stuff. But there are long stretches where it's almost Shin Godzilla-esque, where you're just watching people talk about the kaiju, and, and they're not even trying to bring in any humor or anything to give an audience, to give those fans who probably get together and watch these movies on Sci-Fi and Saturday nights with beer, they're not giving you anything to chew on. It's just like, oh, all right, more talking about this, and great, you know. Uh, we did have the get uh, the uh, like a monologue basically about how horrible it is to fart in a submarine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They were, weren't they like everybody was in that small little room and they were talking about it for five minutes? Isn't that how it happened? That's what my my brain is telling me right now. Uh, yeah, I also thought it was, like, on a screen, like, uh, you know, the level of, like, you know, general screenplay stuff, uh, there's the moment where the, the geomythologist is talking about that old college professor of hers, and she's given the backstory, and she's, yeah, well, she would tell us all that kaiju were real, and, you know, we, you know, we laughed at her, but I was, like, really upset, because I wasn't there to learn about legends, I was there to learn, like, real stuff, and I wouldn't complain to the school, and she got fired, and she hasn't talked to me since, she hates me. So you're expecting this like kind of real like you know oh man these two characters there's there's gonna be like, all this conflict between them <laughs> and then she goes and she meets her and she's just like you're right kaiju are real and but he's just like oh my god let me what, what's happening and then there's like never any issue between the two of them it's like <laughs> oh all right I, <laughs> if you want to try and be a real movie shouldn't you at least try and instill some drama there between these characters but whatever guess not 
<laughs> um, no, I mean, yeah, you. I mean, you guys are making I, sense. I, I get the sense. It's it's strange to say because you know, obviously, all these asylum movies are pretty cheap. And we do know, and you know, uh, there was a great, there was a really great article about the asylum. I can't remember which like publication ran it a few years ago, but really went in like depth into how they operate and everything. And they, you know, this is where I got a lot of their info about how how you know, honestly, it might have been MTV, honestly. Yeah, they were, but they were like very honest about what they're, you know, they said like what they will do is they'll look at the slate of films coming out next year, and they'll say, okay, well, those are the ones we should try and have a movie ready to go for. And they'll come up with a title and they'll assign it to, you know, some writers and say, well, look, in this amount of time, you have to have this written and then we need to go make it. And obviously they probably all have about roughly the same budget. So you, you expect all of them to be of the same general quality. But that said, I do think like the Atlantic Rim films and the, the Megashark films, like they have way more action in them. And this one really felt like, and I, I know how stupid this sounds <laughs> for an asylum film. This felt even cheaper than usual because there was barely any like CGI in it as bad as the CGI is, there was, wasn't much of it. And, and it was really a lot of just people standing in rooms or sitting in chairs and talking like even the monster so fight was pretty yeah. stand around. Do nothing. I reminded me of like the first like mega shark versus giant octopus, which bird and I've always pointed to is like only having like one really cool moment in it. <laughs> it's really kind of boring. And then once the asylum started to get a little more well known, then you saw the budgets like kind of slightly go up for the sequels and that's where they get more fun. But, uh, this one was just like, Oh, okay. It's just uh, nothing, nothing happening here. Yeah. Um, and believe me, I was all ready to come out in this episode and be like, man, this is better than Godzilla King of the Monsters. But. <laughs> right, because Trev famously <laughs> likes uh, <laughs> Atlantic Rim more than Pacific Rim. But one of the things Bird hates about me the most is that I uh, I had Pacific or I had a yeah I had a Pacific Rim on Blu-ray and then I was like you know what I don't never watch this so I sold it off but I kept my Atlantic Rim DVD. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it's true and yes it's one of my least favorite things about him. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so I talked about okay another, another problem I have with this movie is the ending. Uh, well. First of all, yeah, the Tengu versus Living Mountain fight is not interesting. The starfish just wraps around him, and then the other thing comes to life and they explode. And then there's an egg left over. And then the one character goes, well, that, I wasn't expecting that. So, I, were they, did they mate and create the egg? Is that what happened? That, like, all along they, it was like they were getting together to mate? I like how you assume, like, we'll, we'll know. Like, like, <laughs> am, I, am I crazy? I thought, when I looked at that, I thought it was, like, it's supposed to be Godzilla Spike or something. It looked like, I, I don't yeah, know. I, I'm going to be honest. I didn't, even, I didn't even take it as an egg. I thought they, like, for some reason, I thought they kind of, like, molded together, and that was them, like, fossilized together. But well, they, I, I, they exploded, and it looked like one of Godzilla's dorsal plates. I'm like, oh, I guess this is an homage to something. Well, I'm pretty sure they say it, it, that it created an egg, and they're like, oh, well, what do we do? And they're like, we have to make sure it's safe or something. And then at the end, they're like, huh, they ask the professor lady, how many more of these things are there? And they're like, they're, she's like, they're all over the world. The world is Monster Island. And I, I don't know. Is, is assuming that there's going to be a sequel, but we, we know there ain't going to be a sequel. But... But yeah, I was just so confused because I was like, oh, is that like the twist that like the two monsters were getting together to mate instead of fight and they created like this big egg? I don't know. It sounds like you guys don't know either. No. I mean, it just, it looks like 
<laughs> the spike and I, I turned it off and quickly tried to forget it to be honest um all right well uh let's i guess let, let's talk about i mean it, 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 there has to be something good to say right i mean is there anything good that you guys want to say that you can uh, say caillou right uh that is i'm out yeah that that makes it look like they're looking for that little bald kid um from that the pbs cartoon or whatever yeah i got i mean i don't have like riley's death was kind of cool and then the rest of it i could never like the the tengu design which was done by matt frank is it's a fine monster like that's cool but unfortunately in execution pretty mundane i I don't have much to say that it just doesn't doesn't do anything right yeah it just kind of like stays in the water yeah, like that's the thing. It's like, oh, oh, cool, a starfish, and then you're like, well, and they even I think they say something about it getting like, what'll happen if it gets up on shore? And you're like, well, okay, when are we gonna see this? But there's, there's even for a kaiju film, there's no like scenes of like a city getting destroyed or anything like, when it kind of plays it safe in that regard. And there's not a lot like we just there's not a lot of action well, even the fight off. between them isn't really like a fight. Oh, I, the... have, I have I have one more positive thing to say. Who's who's the ship captain dude? Because he was pretty awesome. Yeah, I like the ship captain. Uh, that's the thing. Like, the ship captain and 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 Riley, the Jesus guy, are the two actors. Well, besides Eric Roberts, who's just like <laughs> he's like the Graham Greene and Atlantic Rim of this movie, where it's just he's giving such a bad performance that's entertaining. And then the ship guy and Riley are the two that they're the other extreme of what we like in asylum films. Is the it's the not great actors who are trying very hard, but in a way where it's like, <laughs> what are you thinking? Yeah, the uh, yeah the French captain and uh, yeah the he was the, awesome. Yeah, and then like the the professor Caillou. I mean, that was I got a kick out of. But like that's unfortunately those elements are not enough to carry a movie. And if you have a really cool monster design or like one that's interesting, and then you do nothing with it, that's kind of almost even worse as if like if if you just gave us a terrible monster design that might have even been better in some respects yeah well uh, you know it is interesting i mean they got matt frank who everyone knows is a comic book artist to design come up with this creature and i don't know how much he had to do with like the nature of the creature like its biology or whatever but like i thought like that was actually pretty cool like when they did kind of talk about that i even thought the whole like um (laughs) <laughs> stupid as it sounds for this movie, I guess the whole mythology they build up around the monsters like had potential to be interesting. But uh, yeah, it's like you guys said. I mean, it's just talking about it and not doing anything with it. And then, yeah, when the two monsters get together, they really don't fight. The The starfish wraps around the other thing and they fall down and then they explode. Um, you know, they don't really hit each other or run from each other or anything like that they just kind of like collide and fall down um so yeah i mean it's it's a missed opportunity i do think that the the tengu is an interesting and like original creature um from its design to its biology but yeah they don't it doesn't do anything <laughs> now i'm surprised neither of you guys wanted to talk about the fact that um toshi toda is in this you know, <laughs> yeah he's we'll he's the second name on the on the poster yeah, for so it's funny because like i was like so i was looking into this because typically the, what the asylum does is it tries to get at least two kind of well-known names to to stick in the movie um you know this is why they will pay someone like eric roberts to come in and film for what probably two hours so they can put his name above the title 
And I was looking at the cover of this one, and it's like Eric Roberts and Toshi Toda. And I'm like, who is Toshi Toda? <laughs> and he plays, oddly enough, he plays Lieutenant Maxwell in this, which there's no way that guy's name should be Lieutenant Maxwell. <laughs> he's like, he's like uh, the second in command on Eric Roberts' ship is very, uh, you know, this Japanese man with a very thick Japanese accent. But uh, for this podcast, uh, you know, I was like, well, why, does this guy anything that matters? And I was looking, he's got a very long filmography. But probably most importantly, he played Japanese tanker captain in the 1998 Godzilla. <laughs> I remember that guy. Like looking at I'm because like uh, I did I kind of did the, I kind of did the same thing. Like I looked at his IMDb and he's in everything. Uh, but like okay, if Ken Watanabe is like you go to him if you need a Japanese character. It's like Toshi, you if you need Japanese like waiter or Japanese cop or <laughs> Japanese like cab driver like a store right? <laughs> yeah like ja- grocery guy runs the grocery store and menace to society it's like oh okay. yeah J- japanese uh yeah grocery store clerk like you go to toshi toda <laughs> if you need a japanese guy for a, a non-speaking role or a role where he says a couple things you go to him <laughs> this guy's literally been in everything he was in crank the movie's awesome um <laughs> yeah like so yeah, it's <laughs> like I don't know why they even bothered putting a second name. They should it, the poster should just say Eric Roberts. <laughs> um, oh, Trev, here's a bit of trivia. Um, I don't even know if you remember because it's not like it's a remarkable scene or anything. But there is a scene where our fake Elon Musk talks to I guess somebody uh, like a Japanese. Um, something over the walkie and the guy's talking back to him in japanese does do you remember that uh no (laughs) okay do you uh do you know who did the voice of the japanese guy over the walkie talking in japanese uh shinzo abe (laughs) (laughs) uh not no not 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 shinzo abe okay Uh, interesting uh you said it was interesting trivia so i thought that uh maybe interesting to you trev it was robert scott field better known among godzilla fans as m11 oh i'm disappointed now that he didn't say thank you my boss because that would have been way way (laughs) off that would have been fitting for this movie so yes he had a, a voice cameo by m11 uh, and the fans went wild. I didn't know that, even know Did that. Did M11 till. get uh, middle ditched? Really <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Trev, he's like a uh, middle yeah, ditch. Didn't tell uh, me he was in this movie, and then it was just a voice. I would have been furious. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, he was like middle ditch in Skull Island. Um, uh, but yeah, man, uh, Monster Island. Um, I guess if I have a few, I guess nice things to say. The last one was kind of ba- a backhanded compliment because I'm like, yeah, this monster is really cool, but like they don't do anything with it. Um, I mean, I it, it's more or less stuff we talked about, like Eric Roberts and uh, the guy that plays Riley and the French boat captain are all fun to watch. Um, uh, the the lady saying Caillou is incredibly strange, and I still don't understand why that was. I mean, like, the director had to tell her to say it that way, right? Because the script... Like, like, every other character says it the right way, so why not just the director? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, you know, one part we haven't talked about that made me laugh my ass off is, like, uh, towards the end, there's, like, an avalanche, and it, bur- <laughs> it buries the one guy, the fake Elon Musk guy. Um and it's just the way, I mean, you, it, you would have to see the scene, but... Well, they're, like, the smallest rocks in the world, and then when they're, like, 
moving them they're acting like they're like moving boulders yeah and it's just like they fall on him and then like i don't even know if we see him fall down it's just the next shot is like he's just buried under rocks i thought he i thought he died which would have made it even funnier but like i i actually did laugh out loud for probably longer than i should have uh at that moment um Anyway, uh, oh, and Trev, get this. This is going to compound your disappointment, probably. This director, Mark Atkins, you know what movie he he made? He made a Sand movie. Sand Sharks. Yeah, he made a movie we love, Sand yeah. Sharks. But he also directed Android Cop. So, because I, I obviously looked into his filmography, and this is <laughs> another where, area where we get so really dumb, I'm sure. But <laughs> I, this made me wonder, like because I think everyone just assumes the asylum films are all the same. But, and this made me wonder, like, is there actually something to be said for there being some probably better asylum directors than others? Cause I was looking at his filmography and I was thinking like, Oh, he did Android cop and a few others that I remember us not being super into. And I was like, Oh, you know, yeah, this guy's like on the lower end of asylum people. But then I saw <laughs> sand sharks. I was like, well, he's got at least one like really good one under his belt, but I don't, I'm not, I don't think sand sharks was an asylum film either. It's not. Yeah. What ha- I wonder what happened because that movie's so insane and fun. Like, why couldn't we? Like, yeah, with the Mark Atkins that directed Sand Sharks, we should have got more of and less of the Mark Atkins that directed Android Cop. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, as far as asylum movies go, I've seen way worse. But not only have we seen better, but we we've seen better of this type of movie. Um. So it's not the worst thing. It's not the best thing. It's just kind you know, of say, a if, thing. If anyone from the asylum is listening, and of course, why wouldn't they be? Let's just tell them now. Like, look, do the right thing. You've, I'm sure you're getting your Godzilla versus Kong, you know, movie ready to go. Um, you haven't worked with Liz Adams in a while. Get her to write and direct it. Oh, and Liz, Liz Adams' kaiju, kaiju movie would be like. Oh, that would be an all timer. It would be a dream come true. Give her a call, guys. Seriously. Um, she hasn't even directed. She hasn't directed anything since Super Cyclone in 2012. That's a travesty. Uh, bring her, bring her out, bring her out of retirement. How is Shark Assault? Have is we seen? Sh- I don't think we've seen Shark Assault. Uh, shark Assault doesn't sound familiar. She directed Shark Assault, I think. Apparently. Hold on. I w- no, I don't, not according to IMDb. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I, I mean, will no, say, um, right. oh, she did a screenplay for Shark Assault. My mistake. I, I was being. I will say, um, shame, uh, shame on the Asylum, because the original title for this was Monster Mash, and it got changed to Monster Island, which is not only less interesting, but it also confused my DVR into thinking I was recording the made-for-TV uh, giant bug movie starring Carmen Electra, Adam West, and Nick Carter, which this is not. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, the the good news is that saves Monster Mash for a title for a better film. <laughs> That's probably, true. Probably the sequel next year. And maybe it can be like one of those sequels that like it just like shames the original out of existence. It, is the uh, the Kong versus Godzilla spoof going to be like dinosaur versus ape thing? Well, they've already made a Kong film, so they if they want to use like they have their Kong. Oh yeah, King of Skull Island. Yeah, just cross mm-hmm. them over. Oh, you know what? They could probably just do King of Skull Island versus Mega Shark, because Mega Shark is like their franchise star. Yeah, yeah, do it. I'm there. Get Liz Adams. Oh man, dream team. 
This would make up for because they never they they never did give us Mega Sharknado, which seemed to be sitting right there on the table. Um, that's one of my biggest regrets. And they announced a Mega Shark versus Moby Dick that never came out. They owe us. Yeah. What happened to that movie? Just died, I guess. I Dead guess, yeah. I guess, I guess they they couldn't find a good enough script. <laughs> Should have made whatever that script was instead of this thing. <laughs> they, yeah, they couldn't agree on who should win the Mega Shark or Moby Dick. Um, all right. So I guess we can wrap, kind of wrap this up. Uh, I don't think there's much more to say here. So, um, Monster Island. Uh, how many? Um, how many Caillou killers do you give this out of five? Feel free to use the negative scale. Uh, Where man. the further you get away from zero, the better it is as a bad movie. Yeah, it's th- this is a, a one and a half on account of uh, the pronunciation of Kaiju being Caillou and Riley getting burned alive because that guy had it coming the whole movie. And also, it's not as bad as uh, Godzilla City on the Edge of Battle. So, therefore, I gave it a one and a half. Okay. Yeah, one and a half is probably where I would end up falling into. I think there's much better asylum films to watch. There's much better. There's much better, like good bad movies to watch with friends. Um, you're not gonna if you're into those kind of films, you probably won't. Let me put it this way: if you don't like that kind of sense of humor, that kind of vibe of bad movies, then you're not gonna like this at all. If you do like that vibe, you're not going to hate watching this, but it's not going to be one of your favorites, and you're going to wish you watched something else instead. So it's still just a 1.5 for me. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go... Well, I'll, 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 I mean, I'll, I'll do negative, because I'm rating it as like an enjoyable bad movie. But I'm going to go a notch above you guys and do uh, two. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, if, if you want to watch it, I mean, don't just watch it because it's a kaiju movie like watch it if you if you've seen a lot of asylum stuff and you're like okay i want to check it out go ahead um but there's better asylum stuff that you can you can check out um all right i guess that's it oh uh when one thing i i didn't say when we were talking about the universal uh godzilla ride um you know what's actually fun is well i guess fun if you've been to like the old universal and stuff if you go on youtube there's tons of like video of the old rides and um when i was looking at the godzilla evangelion footage like i dove into like this rabbit hole of looking at the old universal like jaws ride and the king kong rides and the old jurassic park ride and it just like brought back all these awesome memories um so that's something you could do instead of watching monster island if you're gonna take their uh trevin matt's advice have you guys like did you guys go on the jaws ride and all that oh yeah yeah uh, uh that's actually yeah I, i've been on the jaws ride i did not get to see king kong before that got got the axe I've been on I've been on both versions of the King Kong ride. I, I did the King Kong is just part of the tram back at the original Universal Studios in California, and I did the one in Florida that where you're on the hanging uh, the hanging train cars. Yeah, that ride I, was actually that man. That ride was pretty legit. There's a scene in that where because you're on you know like a hanging car, and there's a scene where Kong like hits the car and you actually fall for a little bit, and it's like legit. You really feel like oh crap, the ride just broke and we're actually falling. Um, <laughs> And even just, I remember like the the waiting in line for that ride, which I think if you go watch those YouTube videos, you'll get to see some of this. 
waiting in line for that ride was great because we were actually like kind of walking through the city and then going down to the subway station and they had like all the graffiti on the wall to make it look real. And then you're watching, um, they had like TVs on with news reports about Kong's rampage to the city. Um, that's actually, that's actually one of my favorite, like I, hobby's not the right word, but I often go on YouTube and watch like those like ride throughs of old rides or yeah. current rides. Yeah. I spent uh, like I an hour like, doing it. And, uh, I can't afford to go to Disney World and Universal Studios all the time. So <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, I saw Kong on the tram, but I never got to go to the Florida one. But, like, watching the videos, like, yeah, you, like, there's videos of you, like, waiting in line, of, like, well, you, not actually you, but the person recording, like, waiting in line, and over they over the speakers, they play, like, the news reports, and mm. it it's just so cool. Um, and, yeah, the, the tram Kong, I think, is the one that burnt down, right? Yeah, like all it, it, that was. Yeah, that was like when all that crap burnt down at uh, the one Universal, which is a a damn shame. Um, but yeah, no. And then at Universal Studios in Florida, they got rid of the Kong thing and then replaced it eventually with like one of those stupid, just like it's like a Kong ride that, or maybe this is actually the tram in in L.A. But it's a uh, it's like a Kong thing, but it's like all on a screen. Right? It's like Kong yeah, there's a yeah. I think I yeah. think that speaking of 4D, yeah, I think there's like a Kong 4D thing now. Which yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I haven't been on any of the new 4D things, but as a kid, like I liked the 3D Back to the Future and Terminator and stuff. But my favorite was always like the actual rides, like the Jaws and and mm-hmm. like Earthquake and and that stuff. Um. But, oh yeah, and the Jurassic Park one, which I think, I think that is getting reworked or just got re- yeah, redone. Yeah, turn it in Jurassic World or something. So. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. Um, so it's just going to be like the original ride, but just way worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, we we can head out. Um, uh, Trev, thank you for joining us, and um, uh, yeah, you guys good? Yeah, man. Yeah. All right.